Welcome to Reside by Sotheby's International Realty. I'm Eric Weinbrecht, your host and guide as we dive into the pages of Reside magazine to discover more about the incredible people, places, and brands featured within. Please be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to at Sotheby's Realty on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube to experience incredible homes and stories from around the world. Without further delay, let's get started. Luxury Presence is building the next generation of real estate software, providing websites, marketing tools, and an exclusive referral network to many of the world's most successful real estate agents, teams, and brokers. Today, I'm joined with Luxury Presence's founder, Malty Kramer, to talk about how the content landscape has changed in the luxury space during the global COVID-19 pandemic. Hi, Malty. Thanks for for being here with me today. Hi, Eric. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. So I, I hope you're you're staying safe and uh, and and social distancing and all that good stuff, right? I am. Yes, like uh, most of us, we've we've all been working from home. Uh, the entire company has been remote the last couple of months. So uh, yeah, we're we're trying to do our part to to keep everyone safe. Yeah, that's good. It's uh, I know right before we hit record here, I was talking a little bit about uh, you know how cramped my my little setup is getting at home but you know it's good to be it's good to be back on the podcast and doing this and you know uh it's it's good to have you on so uh we were have been talking a lot about content in this in this space you know post and kind of during the 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 pandemic here why is it is content an important focus for luxury brands during this crisis or, or really any crisis yeah, I think it's a it's a great question, and we talk a lot about it internally. There's there's definitely a shift going on that um, was happening even before um, this crisis, and the crisis has accelerated it. And uh, the shift is that uh, brands, especially in the luxury segment, are focusing a lot more on building an audience and building their brand um, and taking a long term view. And uh, that means for really any marketing tactics. Content is is at the core. It's the foundation you need to run effective marketing campaigns. And in the past, there were um, strategies that worked, even if you didn't have a lot of great content. So um, SEO or, or PPC ads, for example, are examples of text-based uh, marketing tactics. And now that everything has moved towards social, uh, content really is that foundation that you need to build uh, your marketing strategy around. And so uh, what we're seeing is, is brands and, and businesses that uh, are taking this shift and they're making it a lot more about um, storytelling and, and creating an experience uh, that is valuable to to an audience um, and helps scale that audience up versus uh, just optimizing for for quick wins and quick conversions. And so uh, that's where content comes in and, and where it's really effective. So, do you think it's fair to say that in in this kind of new environment that that brands are kind of becoming their own publishers like ra- rather than going to an outlet you know to publish a piece to tell their brand story they're using platforms like social media and blogs and vlogs um to tell their own story yeah i think that's that's absolutely uh what's happening um the the content creators are the ones that that hold a lot of the influence now and uh it's it's really uh a lot of companies are starting to to look like media companies that happen to sell 
um, a certain product. And I think it's actually a, a good way to think about it. If you're a business, um, it's not that uh, you're, you, you need co- content as part of your marketing, but rather that content is your, your marketing strategy in a lot of ways. So um, I, I think that's, that's absolutely correct. And um, the fact is we, we're all, we all have the capabilities with a smartphone in our pocket to produce really high quality content. And that's something that's only been possible over these last few years. And so uh, I'm really excited about the future of marketing um, because it's, I think it's a better way to market and it allows um, all of us to reach people at a scale that previously wasn't possible and create content at a quality that previously wasn't possible. So, so staying nimble along with that, right? So, so you have this kind of shifting strategy overall where, where brands are starting to tell their, their own stories, but in a time of crisis, um, I, I feel like it's, it's even more of an opportunity to be, to be nimble and to be, uh, kind of ready and, and embracing a sort of evolution. And, and I know I speak, you know, on behalf of some of what the Sotheby's International Realty brand has done is, you know, we pivoted our blog, which is our, our main source of content. It's our main content stream. We pivoted it to have some kind of more helpful, optimistic, uh, information out there that wasn't necessarily uh, luxury real estate centric, but it was more just kind of um, how to help and give back to the community, how to stay safe, you know, how to stay healthy, things that are kind of agnostic topic wise and can be helpful to to anybody. How have you seen brands adapt their content strategy during during this time? Yeah, I think you mentioned, you just mentioned the most important part, which is to uh, address this crisis head on. Um, So it's easy to be tone deaf. And I think content can be a safeguard against it. Because um, when you're producing content, you really have to ask the question, uh, what what are, uh, what is my audience? And what are my ideal prospects currently going through? Uh, What questions are they asking? What worries do they have? What are their dreams? And uh, you can do it uh, in a way that provides them with some solutions to their problems. You can do it in a way that uh, speaks to maybe some of the things that they're hoping for and, and, and make it more optimistic. Uh, but I think the key is you, you want to address uh, this, this crisis in some way in your marketing. And uh, the shift that I'm seeing uh, a lot of brands make is where uh, they're adjusting a content strategy to be in the context of this crisis, knowing that um, this will probably stay with us for a while. And so it makes sense to adjust your content strategy to it. And uh, to give you one example, we uh, one of our clients, uh, Anne Brazolis, who um, has been a, a Sotheby's international realty agent for, for many years, uh, she runs one of the most successful teams um, in Rancho Santa Fe. Um, we actually work to uh, create a COVID-19 resource center on her website. And uh, we've been producing content and she's been putting up content on there, speaking to this crisis. So uh, articles and blog posts like, five home workouts or five keys to staying calm um, or takeaways of living through a pandemic where she talks about the importance of gratitude and of giving back to the community. And these, these uh, approaches aren't really going to lead to immediate sales probably. Um, but long-term, this is what people will remember. And, th- and so I think this idea of, of supporting the community and giving back um, is really critical and, uh, especially during a time like this. And all of the, the strongest brands that I see right now um, are taking those steps. They're, they're asking less um, what's in it for me right now. And they're asking more, how can I 
uh, support my community. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the toughest things when it comes to content marketing and and the real estate space is really th- that ultimate question, right? The the did did that home sell because you featured it in X blog or in X social media post? And and you know, as uh, you know, a real estate agent typically asks, that's a, a reasonable question. But I I think that content marketing and social media is has always been the long game. It's just that in this given scenario, you're really left with no choice than to either embrace that fact or run the risk of, of being tone deaf. And, you know, Anne is a, is a great example of, you know, taking her platform and, you know, with, with your help building a, a channel. And um, that's a, a specialized way of, of showing off that content. Do you think that that, that building a specialized channel on somebody's platform or kind of uh, siphoning that content into a specific category is, is that like one of the best ways to present information like this during a time of crisis? I think so. I think thinking of your website as a hub for information that people come back to um, and then leveraging your social channels to drive um, eyeballs towards that, I think is a really good approach that we've seen work very well and uh, content allows you to um, to build up your social channels over time where um, these these content assets really do the work for you. You, you create it once and if it's done well, um, it generates eyeballs for a very long time. And um, and uh, yeah, thinking of your website as, as a hub, I think, is uh, is exactly the right approach. Um, and overall, it's it's really um about the entire consumer journey. So thinking about every touch point along that way, um, your prospects are going to Google you. They're going to browse your social channels. They're going to read reviews. They're going to read your newsletter. Um, a lot of times all of that happens before they ever call you. And so making sure that your brand and your message across those different channels uh, is consistent and that you have a place to point them to um, that we recommend that it should be your website, but there's different ways to go about it. So, so building, building on that, you know, Building your your online presence, your your persona, your your really your your digital resume um, as as a figure on the internet is is incredibly important. It's one of the things that we say. You know, it's in in, in our industry. You know, once it's on the internet, it's on the internet forever, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, how do you see content? All of this content that's being created for uh, for COVID nineteen and for this crisis response. How do you see that in the long run? Like, do you see that as something that kind of gets left up there to show, you know, that this is how you responded during that time, or do you see this as something that kind of evolves and maybe people start producing content like this more regularly? Yeah, I think it's a great question. I would definitely recommend leaving content up, uh, even. When uh, it's not relevant anymore, uh, oftentimes, let's say it's a long form blog post and it starts ranking on Google for certain keywords, um, you, you may still get some traffic from it even um, after you know it's been up for a while, especially after it's been up for a while. And so I would recommend uh, leaving your content up and actually building uh, upon previous content. So an example would be uh, if you do an Instagram live video where you reference one of your blog posts. Now you're driving traffic back from your social profile to your website. And then the other avenue that's really important um, for leveraging some of the traffic and and attention that you're generating now in the future is retargeting. So um, I always recommend to agents and and, and businesses um, 
to have uh, the pixel and, and Google Tag Manager installed on your website, even if you're not running retargeting ads now, what it allows you to do is capture um, that retargeting audience. And in the future, if you want to um, serve ads to those people that have come to your website in the past, uh, you're able to do so. And that's really powerful. And we, we call it the digital sphere of influence. And it just allows you to, to reach a lot more people than what was possible in the past um, and get pretty granular with it as well. So you could target someone who spent a certain amount of time on a particular page or someone who watched at least 30 seconds of one of your videos. And so you can use it as a filter to find the people that are already most engaged and then um, further bring them in with with additional ads that you run or additional content you put out. And and ultimately, that's a way to to kind of flip that switch. That's a that's a, a kind of the first step to flip that switch from from organic traffic to paid traffic, right? That and that's you know a, an effective way to drive business using content. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. And in the past, um, if you had someone come to your website and they didn't reach out to you, they didn't take action to contact you and then left, they were gone forever. You, you had no way of uh, re-engaging them. And now with retargeting, you can actually bring them back um, to your website in the future. And so um, the work that you do now, even if they don't convert now and that's okay, and if you're not using your, your content as a conversion tool um, in the current situation, uh, that is perfectly fine. But what you are doing is building up that retargeting audience that you can use in the future. And uh, uh, when you're ready, um, then leverage paid traffic to to bring people back to your website. So before you 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 even considered you know flipping that switch. So yes, having the pixel uh, the the Google Pixel on your page, and so that way it's collecting that data is is very important. But before you make the the call to flip the switch to to um, paid. Uh, tactics. What are some other ways that you can maximize um, the content that you've produced? Yeah. So my recommendation would be to start with a long form uh, blog post. And the reason is that uh, long form blog posts tend to perform really, really well in SEO. And it's a great starting point for turning that into other pieces of content that you can leverage across different channels. So um, once you have a blog post and, and we can talk about how to come up with ideas for that. But um, once you have a, a great blog post, you can then turn that into um, perhaps a script to record a video um, that you can then use on uh, Instagram and on YouTube. You can uh, write a shorter version of it and turn it into a LinkedIn post. And so you can really, by um, editing and by altering that original piece of content, you can create the type of assets that are appropriate for the different social channels and then post those as, as organic posts. And again, always making sure you link them back to your website. So you have a pl- place to point those visitors to. Now, one of the one of the challenges with with linking back to your website, um, especially on a platform like uh, Instagram, right, where, where you can't link out. Um, are there any, have you found any really effective ways to utilize any of the, you know, link in bio or link tree or any of those types of apps to facilitate that? Yeah. Um, so Linktree uh, is what we use. Uh, it allows you to have one link in your bio. And if a, a user clicks on it, they're then able to see any of the past links and you can link to different blog posts on your website um, or your contact page. So I, uh, I, I recommend using that. Uh, there's also uh, a lot of our clients are looking to get to you know, 10,000 followers on Instagram because it 
opens up the the swipe up feature on yes. Instagram stories. And so if you can get there, uh, that is really effective, um, especially if you're marketing real estate, uh, being able to showcase properties in your Instagram stories and then have a swipe up that takes the visitor or the user to um, the property details page is something that we've seen um, agents and, and teams do very successfully. So going back to the the initial blog post, right? So so going back to step one, creating a long form blog post. When you say long form, um, do you have in in mind like a, a specific length, like a, or a minimum length? Because I know when it comes to like word counts and things like that, everyone kind of looks at it a little bit differently. What so what do you consider to be a, a, a true long form piece? Yeah, from an SEO perspective, it would be uh, 1,200 to 1,500 words is what we would consider ideal from an SEO perspective. Uh, that being said, if you're covering a topic that just doesn't require uh, that many words to describe in depth, then I don't recommend just you know making up content um, just so you can hit that word count. So uh, think about the user first making sure that everything you're saying is relevant and that it reads well. But uh, if you can do a deep dive on a topic and really thoroughly cover it and get to 1,200 to 1,500 words, then uh, those types of blog posts have the highest chance of, of ranking for that particular topic. So Google likes these really in-depth, uh, uh, very well thought out blog posts that have at least 1,200 words. And in, in terms of SEO, we've, we've mentioned it now a, a couple of times in the, this conversation. Is there any, are there any tools out there that you can recommend so that people know the types of phrases, the types of words that they should be including in their pieces to maximize their SEO effort? Uh, yeah, there are, there are a few tools that um, we use. Uh, one is SEM Rush. Uh, it's a pretty technical tool, but it allows you to do a lot of things like uh, create a, a competitor analysis so you can see how your website ranks compared to other uh, competing websites. Uh, it lets you um, see what keywords they're ranking for. So that's been something that we use quite a lot for our clients um, because it lets us see what is driving organic traffic for uh, competing websites and then uh, target some of those same keywords uh, in our SEO strategy. Um, uh, Moz, M-O-Z is another one uh, that has a lot of helpful tools. So those two would probably be the ones that I'd recommend. So we now have guidance on the, the length that we're looking for. We have guidance on you know the type of language that we should be using and you know considering our audience, of course. So how do we come up with the next great idea? Where do we get a relevant topic, especially during a time like this when there are tons of brands out there that are are producing content outside of their you know their quote unquote wheelhouse in order to you know make sure that they're tone appropriate. Yeah, that's the question. I probably get more than any other question from clients. Uh, everyone is wondering how can they come up with great content ideas. And uh, we have a, a practical framework that we use at Luxury Presence. Uh, it's called PFDD. Uh, it stands for Pains, Fears, uh, Dreams, and Desires. And we use this framework for pretty much all types of content, not just blog posts, but uh, webinar scripts and video scripts and uh, really any type of written content. And uh, the, the way the framework works is um, in order to create unique content that your prospects actually care about and want to consume, 
you have to zero on, in on their pains, fears, dreams, and desires and make it related to the problem that you solve. So to give you an example, if you're a real estate agent, um, ask yourself, uh, what are the pains and fears of people doing this crisis as it relates to real estate? And so an example could be if uh, you're looking to reach prospective home sellers, um, some of their pains and fears might be that someone lost their job and they can't cover their mortgage payment after several months of no work, or um, they're scared they're, they will lose their equity in their home, um, or they're, they're worried about how the, the, the value of their home will be impacted by this crisis. And then um, create content that speaks to those fears and worries. And the key is to make it specific to your niche. So uh, find out uh, what your niche is. If you work with a lot of small business owners, uh, tailor your pains and fears to them. Um, and one thing I, I want to always point out when I talk about this framework, uh, it's really important that you don't push the pain points too far. And the goal is not to install, install fear in people. Um, obviously, it's, it's to make them feel like you really understand what they're going through and then to offer up some real solutions and to be helpful. Um, and usually when you do that, when you uh, show that you understand their fears and pains, you validate them and you then offer help, uh, that's when people start engaging and the content becomes really relevant. And so uh, a really simple way to do that would be just to write those out. Ask yourself, what are those pains and fears? You can do the same for the dreams and desires. Um, in my experience, doing a crisis like this, we're all a little more focused on um, some of those, those fears. And so speaking to those first usually works a little bit better. Um, but writing those out and anytime you talk to a client of yours and they have a question or they voice a concern, write it down because that's a great starting point for uh, a content idea and something that you can produce that's helpful to someone else. Yeah, I think now is now more than ever, it, it, it's an opportunity for brands to show that they have empathy and that they can empathize with not only their current clients, but perspective ones, ones that they may not, not have ever considered before. And the brands that, at least I know the brands that I connect with, you know, th through their marketing especially, are, are brands that kind of show that real transparent empathy. And I, yeah. I think, you know, that's a connection right now, too, on top of everything else, you know, because you, you have people that are afraid, you have people that are, um, you know, dreaming about what they're going to do in the future, you know, the, the moment that they can, you know, kind of release themselves. And you have the people that are looking for that kind of uh, emotional connection. And I think, you know, with that strategy, I think there's a lot of opportunity there to create some really meaningful content. Yeah, I think you're, you're exactly right. And um, the last thing that I, I would say is uh, you want to be authentic in your messaging. Don't, don't be afraid to, to open up and share. Um, I'm seeing this uh, in, in a number of places, uh, you know, people... Um, talking about what it's like to be uh, a successful business person and um, you know, having the kids at home. And uh, those kind of things give people a, a way to connect with you. And um, that can be really powerful. So um, I would encourage uh, everyone to try and be as authentic as you can in your messaging and in, your, in the content that you produce. So I, th I think we'd be we'd be a little remiss if if we you know we gave all this advice if we didn't warn for kind of like you know pitfalls. What so what are some mistakes that people can make um, or that you've seen people make uh, in creating content during this time? 
Yeah, there, there are a few. Unfortunately, um, I think it's, it's easier during a crisis like this to make mistakes and the, um, the, the, the downfalls are, are more severe if you get it wrong. So um, sounding tone deaf is definitely um, high up on, on the list. I, I would really try to make sure that you're thoughtful in everything you put out. Uh, you, you don't want to be tone deaf to a crisis uh, that can really harm your brand. Um, the second mistake that's quite common is um, not tailoring your content to the channel. So what you put out on LinkedIn um, is, should, be, should look and sound different than what you put out, say, on Instagram story. And even within Instagram, your Instagram feed usually will be a lot more polished, um, whereas Instagram story can be a lot more raw and unfiltered. And uh, really understanding the medium and the channel, I think, is, is absolutely critical and where I, I see the, the, the differentiation between good and great marketers and the great ones really understand um, these channels and the nuances. Um, and then the last part is, I think, too many, um, too many people try to be all, all things to all people. And it's much better to connect with a niche and to go deep than to have breath. I'd much rather have a hundred uh, loyal, raving fans that will refer me business and, and, and provide great word of mouth than a thousand people who, who may have heard of me, but who have no emotional connection. I think it's much more important to build uh, these relationships and these connections uh, through your marketing. So uh, I would start narrow and then go broad rather than um, trying to trying to hit everyone. So where uh, where can people learn more? You've you've offered so much information about uh, what you do with luxury presence and, and ways to kind of maximize content. Where where can people get more if they want to learn more? Yeah, so the best place to start would be luxurypresence.com, um, our website. And my email is multi at luxurypresence.com. I always love hearing from, uh, from people and discussing these topics. Um, so M-A-L-T-E at luxurypresence.com. Just shoot me a note if you want to chat. Happy to connect you with um, the experts on my team if you want to have a, a more in-depth um, conversation or consultation. Um, but yeah, check out luxurypresence.com and we're always happy to chat. Malti, thank you so much for, for, uh, virtually stopping by today and, and being on, on the reside podcast with me. It was a pleasure having you on. And, uh, I look forward to seeing the, all of the wonderful content that's out there and hopefully as few pitfalls as possible. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. Have a great day. Don't forget to subscribe to the Reside by Sotheby's International Realty podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If you're craving more Reside, visit sotheby'srealty.com slash reside for more from this and previous issues of the magazine. Until next time.